Welcome to the podcast to be named later, where we explore the world a conversation at a time. Sit back and enjoy. Here are your hosts, Chris and Kelly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I'm Kelly, back in Wisconsin after a little trip to California. Chris out in California. Super Bowl's finished. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing really good, Kelly. Good to be back with you, bud. So I'll fess up to our audience. Uh, we sometimes give Chris a little bit of grief about not doing his homework, but uh, it's not an excuse, but the computer actually ate my real work. Uh, we had a nice, thoughtful episode recorded about a month ago talking all about college football, the championship, and a bunch more. And uh, I, who play recording engineer, somehow lost the recording. So we're back in the studio now. Um, before we touch on the NFL, just want to jump back for a minute, back to college football. Uh, and we all know what happened with the championship, but I was just saying to Chris off the air, I think the most interesting thing to me is of the four teams that were in the playoffs, including the two that were in the championship game, they all have new coaches. So three of the four teams, including, like I said, the two in the championship, new coaches. Yeah, tis the season for movement, man. I mean, that's that's kind of throughout sports at this point. Um, you know, the players are moving, the coaches are moving. I mean, everybody, man. It's uh, it's a limited time offer pretty much throughout sports these days. And I, you know, I, there's no signs that that's gonna gonna stop either. So yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a fresh start for some of the premier programs and. You know, programs are programs, you know. I mean, they they got the, the facilities and, and the backing of the university and the boosters, and, you know, they got mechanisms in place. So I think, you know, they'll continue to truck along. But, um, yeah, anytime you transition, I mean, you know, it poses a new set of challenges and a little learning curve for all parties. So we'll see how it plays out. Speaking of movement, even though the movement season was mostly over in college football, uh, in your neck of the woods, uh UCLA got a little bit of a curve thrown at him uh, last week. With uh, what, Chip, what, what are you speaking on? With uh, Chip Kelly giving up a head coaching role in uh, the college football and going to Ohio State to go back to being offensive coordinator. That just went what? down last week, and they hired a new coach. They, they announced him today. Oh, that's breaking news for me, dude. So it tells you where I'm at on my college football knowledge. Uh, not clearly not up uh, uh, <laughs> up to the minute on, on some of that. So uh, yeah, I hadn't heard that. You're you're breaking the news to me. Uh, it's it's uh, pretty amazing to me that all these schools that made this deal to go to the Big Ten, half the people around that made the deal are gone or at a new school. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, just briefly on the championship, any thoughts a month later, what you remember of it? <laughs> yeah, that was a minute ago now. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, two, you know, powerhouse schools, man, very um, similar in construction. And, uh, you know, Harbaugh finally accomplished what he set out to do, you know, when he took that job. And, um, you know, he's going the way of the uh, Pete Carroll and, you know, 
with, uh, you know, some stuff up in the air still pending. Uh, he said, hey, let me let me just get out of here right now before you guys settle all of this. I'm going back to the NFL, and, uh, you know, we'll see what's left in his wake behind him. But, um, yeah, not the first guy to, uh, you know, be involved in a little bit of a scandal and just say, you know what, I think I'm about due for a trip back to the NFL here. So, uh, it's a little, you know, bit, a little bit like picking up the get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly. Yeah, it is, man. And, and, and you know, it's it's not, like I said, it's not the first time. So uh, and I'm sure it won't be the last either. So I'm actually surprised, you know, the uh, Chargers have never stepped up in these kinds of situations in the past. I mean, really in any capacity. They're about as cheap as, as you get in terms of NFL franchises. And um, I want to say I heard it was 18 mil a year or something like that. And uh you know good on the spanos family for you know going and getting a, a, i mean he you know the fact is harbaugh can coach man i mean him and his brother both i mean they're phenomenal coaches and you know he took he brought michigan back to where it once was and you know climbed the mountain and planted the flag uh at least for a season and um you know i have no doubt that he'll go in and uh it, it, it restore some discipline to the chargers and, and no matter what happens they will be uh, a much more disciplined team, um, you know, some of the bonehead mistakes that the Chargers have become known for over the last couple decades, I think some of that uh, will will fall aside, and then it'll just be a matter of talent from there. So I don't know. I, I thought I heard Greg Roman was going to be the offensive coordinator. So I, I don't believe, know exactly. I believe what, you're right. I don't know what that means for Herbert. So, you know, Roman isn't exactly known for slinging it around the field. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, Harbaugh wants to run the Roman wants to run the ball, uh, and yet the makeup of the team would suggest they're more geared for, you know, a, a little more spread offense. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. It will be interesting. And, you know, there's 32 people that get these head coaching gigs every year in the NFL. And we go across to all the sports. And I don't know, as I get older, I, I do think coaching matters um, – Obviously, the players play, but you can just see a difference in coaching over time. And whatever it is that they do, um, you know, I've said it before, uh, a great coach gets uh, players to do more than they think they can. Um, so let's jump right into it. We had two, you know, uh, coaches and good teams that uh made it to the ultimate tournament game in the nfl a couple days ago the super bowl um sure looked like kansas city was falling at hard times in the first half well i mean but these were real evenly matched teams you could see it from the way when the spread came out you could see by the movement of the line um you know and then as the game played itself you could just tell that these are two you know very evenly matched teams and uh you know like always man it comes down to just a couple of plays and um you know sometimes it's frustrating you know because the quarterback is so overvalued so overplayed so you know it's just such a huge portion of the priority in terms of football uh, in the nfl well football in general and you know, but then you see the Super Bowl play out, and really what it boiled down to is, um, in my opinion, there, there was one team that was slightly better than the other in the San Francisco 49ers, and then one team had a better quarterback, and the team with the better quarterback ended up winning the Super Bowl. And I do wonder, uh, had that kick not been blocked, how the game would that that 
you know, there was still time, but that also had a huge impact. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of big plays. I mean, that was obviously a really big one. Um, you know, anytime points don't go on the board that you expect to get there, uh, that's a big one. Um, you know, the 49ers had a couple of really nice special teams play. At one point, uh, I, you know, I kind of said, hey, man, is there any chance that Connolly can win the MVP? I mean, the guy, you know, ha has made a couple of miraculous plays on special teams and had a, had a uh, big catch. And, um, then, well, they had uh, the nice play, too, with the wide receiver throwing a touchdown pass. And uh, then, you know, then um, on special teams, you know, they had that ball go off of one of the blockers' legs, and, you know, Kansas City was able to jump on it, and then they, they scored on the – I think that was the pass to uh, uh, MVS that, you know, they yeah. scored on the very next play, and um, that was obviously a, a major game changer, you know, to, to be getting the ball first and ten and to all of a sudden there's seven points for the other team. So um, that was a big one. Lot, you know, even if we go back to the beginning of the game, a lot of emotional changes, uh, right? So Kansas City's not doing a lot, uh, really. Then they get the big pass play, a 53-yard completion, but uh, then they fumble right down there in the red zone, which really hadn't happened much for them. And that had to be a, quite a emotional thing for them. Yeah, and I don't. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that they came out flat. I, I would say that they came out not as fired up as the 49ers. And um, you know, the the 49ers were were focused and they were moving the ball. But this is just, you know, we we say this all the time, man. I mean, there's a lot of momentum in sports, and you know, you got to capitalize while you have it. You know, the 49ers took the opening uh, kickoff, marched right down the field, you know, with ease, and then McCaffrey fumbled. And, and uh, okay, there's a point. those are points you don't get. And um, there were several opportunities that the 49ers had to, you know, add to their lead, and they didn't. And then what happened later in the game, you know, Kansas City found their footing, and 49ers hadn't built up enough of a, a – a point total on the board to you know hang on when when Kansas City got the momentum and they had things flowing and the difference was Kansas City went down and scored and um, you know that ended up winning the game. The uh, yeah you know you always are going to face a little bit of adversity and part of it is how do you respond to that? Few few things from the game. So I know it got talked about on the broadcast and stuff. What did you see where the, uh, Travis Kelsey bumped into or whatever he did to Andy Reid? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty intense, and I think they both handled it um, excellent afterwards. I mean, they, they, you know, they just made it a non-issue. You know, of course, you know, media, I mean, you know, this is, this is what those guys get paid to do. Um, this is what we do but don't get paid for is uh, to talk about these types of things. But in, in, the re in reality, it was like a non-thing. Um, yeah, but he came over fired up though, dude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, you know, Andy was pretty funny. Like, yeah, it just caught me off balance, you know, and, and, uh, normally I'd check them back and, and things like that. And they just kind of laughed it off, you know, and uh, e easy to do, you know, when you've won the game. Um, but I think you, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey's intensity has been on display on numerous occasions over the course of his career. That guy really loves football and, uh, you know, it, in, in the heat of the moment, and especially in the Super Bowl, where everything is supercharged, um, yeah, he came flying over, man, and, and had some words for for Andy Reid. And but you got to imagine, um, you know, th 
this is a different type of relationship. You know, some somebody else in another scenario, who knows, maybe it meant something different. But, you know, when, you know, those guys were probably like brothers, man. You know what I mean? And, and they got so much history together and so much time together. You know, you, you're afforded the ability to, you know, talk to different people in your life differently. You know, and uh, I think their relationship is so sound that, you know, under normal circumstances, a tight end running over, bumping into his coach and, and hollering in his ear probably would be viewed at as, hey, man, there's, some, there's a problem here. But, uh, you know, given their relationship and who they are to each other, I think it was, it, you know, they're afforded that right to have those types of interactions. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Kelsey was pretty heated, dude. <laughs> and uh, he came flying over and, and barking at uh, Andy Reid. And, uh, you know, both of them kind of said the same thing. Uh, he was just kind of in shock, man. He, he looked up at I mean, he got caught off guard. He wasn't even looking at, you know, Kelsey came and blindsided him. And Kelsey didn't mean to make contact with him. You know, I mean, he's, he was just a little bigger than than he thought he was, you know. And, and uh, um you know, <laughs> it was pretty funny interaction. But having, you know, having been in sports and, you know, and, and just in life in general, I, I can I can attest to uh, on occasion I can be the Travis Kelsey in that scenario. And I mean no harm. I mean no disrespect. There's no, like, malice or, or anger. And I'm just – I really want to win. I really want us to do a good job, you know. And uh, I, I, I have strong feelings on how we could be doing things better. And – so um, I can appreciate, Kelsey, appreciate Kelsey's point of view that, you know, hey, I'm not coming from an angry place here. I'm, I, I know my face looks like I am, but in reality, I'm just – I really want you to understand that winning means a lot to me. And uh, basically, I mean, what, the way he, he described it after the fact is, is uh, you know, I think what the real story is. I've read a few different things, but um, what I think the real story was is like, hey, don't take me out of the effing game, dude. You know, I, I'm, I'm on the field at all times when, when we're down in the red zone because they had just completed that long bomb to, um, I think yeah. it was Miko Hardman, and and then the, I think it was the very next play that, that Pacheco fumbled. And um, who knows if Kelsey makes a difference or doesn't make a difference, you know, but um, Kelsey had been pulled off the field, and Noah Gray, the backup tight end, was, was in there doing the blocking. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if he'd had an effect or not, but, you know, from Kelsey's perspective, he thought that, you know, Hey, I'm the best tight end on the team. Don't pull me off the field, you know. And, and uh, you know, I think that's yeah, what he told Andy. I don't remember if it was the because I actually listened to the. I, I really like the announcer uh, on radio. He does NFL on TV too, but he's been the radio Super Bowl announcer for a few years now. Kevin Harlan. So I was listening to that and the TV. I don't remember who said it, but they they said that you know yeah he's going over and that's probably exactly what he's saying because that is what happened. He was out. Uh, backup tight end didn't block quite as well you never know what the other guy's gonna do but um so you've seen a lot of super bowls as of i i'm just curious chris just from a sights and sounds if you will of the game any classic memories of plays or just you know emblematic things that stick in your mind when you think about it that you saw in the game you know, if I, I mean, just as as a general overview of the experience as a whole, I would say this was a real pretty kind of ho hum in terms of Super Bowls. You know, I mean, for two and a half quarters, there really was not a ton of action. Now it's a Super Bowl, so so the stakes are high, which automatically you know makes every play more interesting and every every drive, every score, you know, it, it just amplifies everything. But without that amplification, I don't know that this Super Bowl would have brought a lot of excitement. Um, until about 
I don't know, six more six minutes to go or so in the uh, third quarter, and then it turned into a, into a game. So if you sat through the pregame festivities and all the you know the songs ahead before the game started and the introductions and and then you sat through halftime and watched the usher uh you know halftime show and and then you know coming out of half and and you did all that it's kind of like man we I, you know i feel like i spent two and a half hours of my life and, and haven't really uh gotten much bang from from my entertainment buck if you'd have just tuned in, you know, halfway through the third quarter, I, I think you would have felt like, wow, that was one of the better games I've seen. You know, the the back the back and forth scoring, um, you know, it went to overtime. I mean, both teams scored in overtime. I mean, you know, it had all the ingredients um, that it would take to make for an amazing game. But in reality, like the actual product was just kind of like, I mean, it was fine. It was a Super Bowl, man. It was cool. I, mean, I had a nice day. You know, we had good food at the house and. You know, Super Bowl is more of an event, a social event than it is like a sporting event nowadays. And, um, you know, obviously I'm in it for the sport part of it, but uh, many people watch Super Bowl strictly for the event itself. And um, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, the, the there were a couple of, um, you know, big, big plays, obviously, in the game. A couple of those special teams plays in the moment were big. That fumble we already talked about was big. Um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, they talked about it after the fact. You know, a lot of guys, I didn't I didn't know the overtime rules. I had left for a second when they went to overtime. And, um, I, I, you know, I don't remember if I, I left to grab something to drink or, or, or what. But I uh, I came back and I was like, man, did they explain? Because I, uh, I don't recall exactly how these rules work. And uh, I was waiting for them to, like, reiterate, like, hey, this just a reminder, this is how the new overtime rules go. And it was pretty funny as, as the – right before the Chiefs won, the clock's ticking, you know, and you can see the seconds winding down, 17, 16, 15. And the Chiefs have two timeouts, and I'm hollering. At, I was rooting for the Chiefs in the game. And so, you know, I'm hollering at my television set saying, D call timeout. What are you doing? you got two timeouts. You know what I mean? Call timeout. And and uh, uh, right about then, I think Romo came on and said, for those of you who are yelling at your TV, tell them to call timeouts. you got to think about this as, you know, like the end of the first quarter. You know, they're going to carry over. This is this just the first quarter of overtime. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so it makes a lot more sense now that they're not more hurried. But um, when Miko Hardman catches that touchdown, you expect a little more fanfare. And I think you could kind of tell that some of the players didn't really know what had just happened either. And it was kind of like, hey, yeah, we scored a touchdown. What does that mean? It means you win the Super Bowl. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I read one article that uh, uh, Mahomes had to tell uh, the wide receiver that him catching that meant they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and uh, Michael uh, Hardman afterwards had said, like, I don't know, I blacked out, man. I, you know, I ran my route, I caught my pass, and then after that, it, I, I don't remember anything until Patrick came over and said, hey, we just won the Super Bowl. And he's, and uh, I think Michael Hardman said, oh, yeah, I bet, sweet. <laughs> like, <laughs> so pretty funny. But uh, I think a lot of us were a little confused on exactly, you know, it took a minute to process. I, I will say, and I wish they would do it for all all games. I get why they don't, but I did. I had read an article about the overtime rules before the game, so I was at least familiar with what was going to happen. But I like the way that I like those rules way better than what they do during the regular season. So you were obviously uh, in Andy Reid's camp, who apparently went over this multiple times and covered it again in the two weeks they had leading up to the Super Bowl, and uh, apparently. Uh, Shanahan did not, uh, you know, 
cover this with everybody. I know at least Juszczyk and um, I forget who the other guy was that came out and said, hey, I didn't know what the overtime rules were. We, you know, we never covered it. And, uh, you know, I think, again, that's something like where the media is making a mountain out of a molehill and just looking for something to talk about. And, you know, that's what they got. They got to fill up their time with something. And, but I don't think it's that big a deal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, apparently the Chiefs players were pretty dialed in and, and knew, knew what the rules were. And, and uh, at least a couple of the 49ers guys didn't. You know, um, it's one of those things, and I, I do think right, they got to fill whatever airtime column inches in the paper, electronic space on the web page. Um, the media's got to have something to say. I will say, if we go back to you know Ivan R from the beginning when we started, Chris, it, it probably did have a small impact though. In that, if you remember our first podcast, we talked about route running and just how much repetition in practice makes a difference. So, you know, if they didn't go over it a few times, uh, you know, bad on them a tiny bit, uh, it's probably, you know, never happen again. Um, and maybe that's that one little extra step that made a difference. You never know. Right. In, in this game, very easily. We, I mean, you know, for, 49ers uh... – had every opportunity to win this game. They very, you know, they, you know, I said this all the time. If they played the game ten times, you know, it might go five and five, man. I mean, these were very evenly matched teams. Only one team gets to win. Um, but the 49ers had, you know, uh, multiple opportunities that could have gone their way. And, uh, you know, I just give credit to Mahomes, man. I mean, there was a point in the game in which he, uh, he had run for the first down. It was third and, I think, two. Um, he ran for the first down. And then shortly after... Uh, he ended up um, just kind of running three, running free. It looked like a design quarterback draw, like it was called that way, and it was just brilliant relative to the defense because all the defensive guys just turned their back and started covering receivers. And meanwhile, Mahomes is just running free through the middle of the field. And um, when he got up from that, there was a close-up of his face, and you know, camera kind of shot into his helmet, and you could just see the look in his eyes. And I was watching the game here with your brother Tim and and uh, my father was and we were talking and and Tim and I kind of looked at each other and said, "Oh man, the 49ers are in trouble now." You know, the Mahomes had just has that look in his eyes, like you know, I will not be stopped. And um, it took a little while to to really kind of show that. And those couple of running plays, he came up kind of huffing and puffing. And um, I see this from McCaffrey too. So you know, McCaffrey was carrying the load, man, and and. Uh, from a running back position, guys just don't do what McCaffrey does. I mean, the guy almost never comes off the field. So, and he's running routes. He's he's picking up uh, blitzers. He's running the ball. He's catching the ball. You know what I mean? Uh, and McCaffrey's huffing and puffing, and and um, you know he's just not all there like physically. You know what I mean? His energy's a little bit drained, but his focus is one hundred percent, and um, his will and his want to. And that's kind of what I felt like with Patrick Mahomes. When he took off on those runs, he was a little winded. And you got, only got, you know, 40-second play clock, and, and you got to get cracking, right? Well, he's still a little winded from, you know, running for 20 yards and eluding tacklers and getting tackled and picking himself off, off the ground. And then he has to run to the huddle. And now he's, he's just trying to catch his breath. 
so from a physical standpoint, he's below 100%. You know, he's just a little a little bit tired from the, the last couple of things he just did and, and hasn't really had an opportunity to catch his breath. But from a mental standpoint, he he is dialed, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, a lot of times like, you got to remember both those things come into play, right? It's not just how do you feel physically, how much weight can you lift or how fast can you run? It, it's how you can put those things to use as well. And... Uh, Mahomes, after the, the you know those couple runs, just it just he just had a different look in his eyes, and he was a, a you know a little bit gassed, a little bit tired, and now he's just gutting it out on willpower, and, and I almost feel like he plays better under those conditions when when he's maybe not a hundred percent physically, but he's entirely engaged in the game and dialed in mentally, and once he hit that you know he's it's just like Jordan, dude, it's just like Tom Brady, it's just like Wayne Gretzky or any any great you know athlete they go into a mode where they're hyper-focused and, and the reality is like nobody, nobody can stop these guys. And Mahomes, I just feel like he's one of those guys, man. Like once he's dialed, there's nothing you can do to stop that guy. So if you can, um, can you give a little, and you might not be able to dude, but cause I agree with what you said. Uh, obviously I didn't see the look on his face and things, but it's like there was a point in the third quarter when it's like, he just, found that level that not everybody has but can you give any more of a sense of what it what you saw in his face or just break that down a little more if you can you know it's uh boy i don't i don't know how to put it into words exactly that's a tough one um but you know it's just a, a, a an intensity you know your 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 eyebrows come closer together your uh you, you can see focus on your face, almost like you're trying to read something, you know what I mean? Like it requires more focus and, um, you know, or, or you're deep in thought or whatever, you know what I mean? Like there, there's just a certain like everything else disappears and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm focused on this one singular thing. And obviously like an NFL quarterback has to focus on multiple things, but, but there's a certain intensity that comes with it where everything else falls away and you are solely uh, engaged into one singular activity. And um, a lot of times, uh, facial expressions will show that um, the same way they show happiness or sadness or whatever. I mean, there's just there's just you know muscles in the face that um, you know move based on on emotion, and you know they're they're you know you you can just see it, dude. You can just see based on the 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 the, the look on someone's face. You know, kind of like the way Kelsey's face looked when he ran into Reed and had some had some words for him about coming out of the game, or you know, uh, um, whatever he had to say to Andy in that moment. Like, I mean, you could just take a snapshot, a still a still frame of of Travis Kelsey's face, and it, you could give it to a hundred people, and you say, "Hey, do you think this guy looks happy or sad or angry? Uh, is he intense or subdued? You know what I mean?" And without knowing any of the words or any of the context or anything, you could just give you could give a person a still shot. Uh, of his face and you know a hundred out of a hundred is gonna say that guy's intense you know what i mean that guy's fire that guy's angry that guy's you know uh uh, uh no one's gonna say like yeah he looks calm you know what i mean and uh you know with mahomes it's hard to describe man in words it's just a it's it, you know his face projected a feeling that I like I will not be stopped. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know who I am. <laughs> and so he the confidence that he had that his face showed was just that like, dude, I'm we are winning this football game. And I and in his mind it was one hundred percent certainty, like I I will not be stopped. So uh and like I said, his face just kinda echoed that. 
Well, um, I'm curious at the end of the game, and I always think about this, how much do they, this has got to be, I mean, you know, ABC Sports used to have it, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Do they show the losing team much on camera? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some coverage. I mean, they focus on the winning team, obviously. You know what I mean? Let's say it's a, a eight to two spread or something like that, right? Whatever. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like they showed Kel, uh, Kittle walking off the field. You know, the the 49ers, I mean, a couple of freak plays. You want to talk, uh, oh, you know, you asked me earlier about something that jumped out. Greenlaw, like, I don't know if he blew out his, his Achilles or, or what. I don't know what the injury was, but talk about a freak, like, oh, accident. Yeah, like, you know, and we actually rewound it at the house uh you know my, my old man missed it and uh uh tim and i are like hey dude you gotta see this and talk about freak man and you know he literally was just on the sidelines waiting for his turn to go in and he was all fired up you know and, and intense and he took off to run to go get to his middle linebacker spot and blew out his leg somehow and we're like what the heck you know no contact no nothing i mean he literally just tried to run and fell down and uh you know, Kittle got hurt, went back to the locker room. Debo, talk about, I do, I just love that guy, man. Debo Samuel is, I just love everything about that guy. And, uh, you know, obviously he was injured. He got hurt. I mean, he came up non-contact, pulled, came up holding the back of his leg, you know, and um, fell to the ground and training staff came out. And in today's NFL, that look when a guy's running and he pulls up lame and, uh, you know, just falls down in place and, and clearly like either it was just an ACL or a hamstring, something, something just went wrong with his leg. And generally speaking in today's NFL, you don't see that guy again for a month. And Debo was back like the like next series or two series later, you know, he went and got looked at a little bit and, and he came back and you can see he was a little hobbled, but the toughness of that guy is just unbelievable, man. I mean, you know, one out of one out of 10 guys, you know, Debo's like the only guy who would come back from what I saw. I've seen that exact scene, you know, 50 times in, 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 fo in pro football where a guy did that exact same thing. He's running, you know, he grabs the back of his leg, he hops on one leg for a couple of steps, and then he just hits the ground and lays there. And I've seen that exact same thing play out. And 49 times the guy was out for weeks. And Debo Samuel was, go was gone for like 10 minutes. Well, before we put a cap on Super Bowl 58, got to ask you the most important question about the game, just because we talk about it on the podcast to be named later. What was the confetti like? Oh, I, man, I didn't even see it, dude. <laughs> I, oh, I, oh. oh, man, you got to give me a heads up that these, you know, I didn't even see it, you know. Uh, yeah, Chris, boy. You have homework All right, homework. Between now and next season, you got to go find the. Confetti. I didn't know this was recurring homework, sir. I I thought that was a one-time thing. So yeah, man. I, now that I know, I have to watch it in every championship game. I, I'll I'll make a point of it going forward. But dude, you, you got to sneak attack the, me with this one. You just missed the extra point. Yeah, I mean, dude, you got you got to tell me we just scored a touchdown. I didn't even know. So hey, man. this is the Super Bowl, <laughs> baby. You got to be prepared for the unexpected. <laughs> yeah dude you got me on my toes coming back from break you know we we haven't talked in a couple of weeks and all of a sudden you know you're throwing hidden news i didn't know about the chip kelly movement and you know uh i, I missed a production memo bud well you better talk to the producer better better at sending it out <laughs> I, I you know used i i'd say this i mean the i i think this was an entertaining game 
I'm not sure it's going to be one that's going to live in my memory for like a long time. It, the the last whatever you know third of the game maybe was really exciting and the overtime was exciting. But um, and again, it's the Super Bowl, so there's a lot more to it. But you called it home hum, I think. And I, I mean, I will say the first part of it really was again, it's still the Super Bowl, and ending was great the ones i really don't like especially at the super bowls when it's a blowout no i mean you know the thing is if you look at it from like a score standpoint and and, and with no other context than that you would think like oh man this game must have been amazing because they went back and forth you know there was tie games they went to overtime i mean but when you look at it from like a feel standpoint like you know how did the, the super bowl make you feel as you were watching it you know, maybe it was because there was really no big plays. Like, everything was, you know, real dink and dunk, you know. And it was good football. It was good tackling. Um, you know, they, they uh, highlighted the way Bosa was playing from his end position and, and maintaining his, um, you know, lane integrity. And, and, you know, it was really, really good football on both sides. All, all four, if you want to. And even special teams, for that matter. I mean, we had a 55-yard a uh, field goal that was the longest in foot in Super Bowl history and then a few minutes later Butker gets up and kicks a 57 to to set the new record and then later there's another 53 I think yarder by uh Moody again and you know I, they put a stat up that in 57 years or 57 Super Bowls there have been seven field goals of 50 yards or more and in this game there was three in one game so yeah uh, how about that, that though? you know dude makes a 55 yard field goal like record of all time probably in his head wow that's kind of cool and doesn't even get to hold the record for probably more than 30 minutes right yeah the record gets broken in the same quarter and uh yeah pretty crazy man but um you know it just lacked i mean the, the, the miko hardman was the biggest play i can think of i mean there was a you know obviously the fumbles always matter right so those are always big plays but you know when you when you, you get that rise you know you're watching a game and you know you just saw something big happen um this game just didn't have a ton of them you know like i said the the, the uh, fumbled Punt was a was a huge one. That was a, a big game changing event. But that was one. You know, the Miko Hardman catch was was one. Um, you know, it just wasn't like a slew of them by any means. And so, you know, as the game went on, I mean, like I said, it was really good football, good tackling, good play calling. You know, you had to fight for everything, man. I mean, the, both defenses were elite in this game, and you could just tell. I mean, the offenses are playing fine; they're not making any mistakes, but the defense just isn't giving them anything. And so. Uh, from that respect, it was really good football, but just from an entertainment perspective, it was just, like I said, kind of like, uh, yeah, it was a, you know, it's a close game, but didn't give me the emotional highs and lows, you know, that maybe you would have expected. No, I think for me, the game that, all, I mean, obviously the Packers winning their Super Bowls, but when I think Super Bowl, for whatever reason, the one, the one that sticks out at me was the uh, St. Louis-Tennessee game. Right. That's still, when I think Super Bowl, like drama, and I know there's a lot of other things, that, but for whatever reason, that one, uh, you know, guy almost making it in uh, um, uh, to score uh, just always jumps out in my mind. Yeah, I mean, and the, um, the uh, Falcons game, um, the Seattle Seahawks and the Patriots, that one was, uh, you know, re just really intense, man, where... I mean, you just knew, like, 
you know, any any one play could could make the make or break this game. And you know, they throw the bomb down the sidelines. Then Lynch comes in and you know gains four yards on first down. And then you know, oh, the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl. And then you know, Wilson throws that pick and. Oh, the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl, and and uh, you know the um, uh, Tyree helmet catch, you know, with the the Giants, yeah. or even the one with the, um, the who did the Panthers play? Uh, Car- uh, Jake Delhomme, Carolina Panthers. Was that maybe the Patriots too? Probably. It's always Probably. the Patriots. But uh, that one, you know, was another slow starting game, and then they scored like. You know, I don't remember what it was, like 34 points in, in like a quarter and a half or something like that. And, and uh, it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, yeah, th- this one just, for whatever reason, just didn't have that same feel. Even the ending, like if I think about even just endings, not even the whole game. the uh, If I look just at the ending, I think the – so the one I mentioned, the Tennessee Rams game, was uh, – the, the whole game was pretty competitive. The – just like wow, I don't believe this is what happened. Ending for me is still uh, Seattle against New England. That I can't believe they passed the ball. Yeah, that was pro- probably for me too, man. I the, as far as endings, like the most un, given what had just transpired, the most improbable, you know. And now if you you know if you told me like Brady drove down with seven seconds and and you know kicked a field goal, I, I mean. I almost would believe that more, you know, but, uh, yeah, that one probably stands out to me as the most, like, what just happened? Yeah, I just remember, I, I, I can still hear the, uh, actually, it was um, Chris Collinsworth was the color analyst. I believe it would have been Al Michaels with the play-by-play, but I just remember him being, everybody being so surprised. But, you know, it's really amazing what a spectacle it's become. Uh, okay, I'll give you another on-the-spot question. We won't go deep on this, but uh, any commercials really jump out of it? You thought, wow, wow, that's pretty cool, or wow, I can't believe they spent $7 million on that? Well, there was a bunch that I couldn't believe they spent $7 million on, but the one that jumped out for sure was the J-Lo, uh, Ben Affleck, the Dunkin' Donuts one. Was the, the, I'll put it this way. The only one I went back and watched again on YouTube uh, was that one. Because I, you know, I watched it in the moment on, on, uh, you know, during the Super Bowl, and then uh, today, I uh, or maybe it was yesterday, I, I went and I said, "Let me watch that again." That was pretty funny, and so uh, that's the only one I went back and actually like Googled and watched a second time. And uh, well, give us, a, <laughs> give us a rundown on that one from what you remember, or bring it up and. Well, they had Tom Brady on the turntables and like just uh, you know. Th- this is what you get when you hire really good actors too. So, you know, Ben Affleck, I mean, you, you know, you can debate what, how good an actor he is or whatever, but I mean, the fact is he's a professional actor and, and, uh, you know, Matt Damon, um, <laughs> it's just, their roles were awesome, dude. And, uh, the, you know, you could just really see it. And, um, you know, Tom was the only guy who was kind of out of his element, I think, but he, he just, he played his role so well. And uh, it was. I'm still. I'm smiling just talking about it right now. You can probably like hear it. Hear, hear it in my voice. You know that, that I'm laughing while I while I re envision it. You know, and they come in and you know, uh, you know, there's a little uh, you know pre scene where they're in the car and and the one guy's like, Ben, I don't think this is a good idea, man. And Ben's like, No, no, man. I'm, she's coming to my work. I'm I'm about to show her what I can do. You know, and and uh, so they show up to the recording studio where J Lo's working on her next song. And uh, they came busting in the door, 
And Ben's the only guy who's all fired up about this. You know what I mean? He thinks it's a great idea. And Matt Damon is just like, Abs, this is a terrible idea, buddy. Like, we shouldn't be doing this, you know? And he's standing in the corner, and he has this one line to read. And and uh, he's like, you know, uh, man, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry we're doing this right now. And uh, Tom plays this role where... Like, you know, almost like he feels like he, he knows he's not supposed to be there either, but whatever Ben said, show up. And so I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it, you know, and, um, you know, kind of like, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me guys. And, uh, everyone just plays a role. Great dude. And, uh, even JLo, you know, at the end, she's like, just, you know, basically you guys get out of here. And she's like, well, Tom, you can stay. <laughs> and, uh, that was, that was the one that probably jumped out to me as my favorite that, that made me laugh and, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. So, uh, you know, another football season in the books. And uh, the NFL never sleeps, uh, obviously. We'll have the combine in a couple weeks, the draft and more. What's what's uh, What are you looking forward to in the off season, and what are your early predictions for next year? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat, dude, that, uh, you know, I told you before we actually started recording that, like, you know, I was looking today at wide receiver prospects. You know, I mean, I've already kind of got the quarterbacks dialed. Uh, you know, I got a, a dynasty team that I got to I got to rebuild. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously not in the NFL and not a head, head coach of any NFL team or a GM or anything. So if I'm doing this kind of work uh, the you know, two days after the Super Bowl, imagine what those guys are up to. So. You know, I'm sure the Chiefs will celebrate for a little bit. The the 49ers will sulk for a little bit. And, you know, the other teams have had a little little bit of time already. You know, the Buffalo Bills and, and Ravens and, and those have had an opportunity to kind of get over the losses that they experiment uh, experienced. You know, the Lions had a bad one. Even the Packers, too. I mean, they had their game with the 49ers, um, you know, winnable. And, and so I think most of those guys are probably over that by now. Um, it, or as much as they're going to get over it, you know, it'll probably always hang on them, but you know, there's, there's, there, it's not going to get any worse from here. Right. So now, um, yeah, man, I mean, you move to, I mean, there's, they already had the senior bowl, their combines coming up, I think in, uh, I don't know, a week and a half to maybe two weeks. And, uh, they, uh, you know, you'll get onto like, Hey, who, you know, who's the fresh young blood coming out of college? You know, what, are, how are we going to improve our team? What do we need? You know, where do we fail this year? Do we need a cornerback? Do we need an edge rusher? Do we need to, to you know, revamp the offensive line? You know, we got these guys under contract, you know? Um, and so all 32 teams are doing the same thing. Like, Hey man, who can we keep, you know, who, where do we need to improve? And, you know, all of those efforts will start, you know, immediately. So the coaches have all been hired. You see a, a real, um, you know, a real movement, man. I think everyone's trying to copy the the McVeighs and the Shanahan's and and, and the um, you know McDaniel's and Lafleur's and and you know everyone wants to get young, man. Everyone wants a young, you know, thirty something head coach, and they feel like that's the recipe. It's copy pet cap lead. I mean, there's some older guys too. I mean, Andy Reid's pretty old, man, but um, sixty five. You know, uh, well, I don't. I, yeah, well, you're probably getting getting close to approaching that, so I don't want to make you feel, old, but. Uh, um yeah and when do you hit the big five oh big boy pretty soon two so, years I um, think, right yeah yeah a year and change yeah so uh um you know but uh reed's still there i mean there's a couple other ones too but um you know belichick's you know no longer employed steve uh, uh, Pete carroll's no, no longer employed you know and and some of the older guys have, have been cast aside and 
you know, they made room for the young kids. So we'll see how they work out. You know, every year there'll be movement, man. Guys will work out. Guys won't work out. Um, and uh, But all the 32 coaches have been hired, and you can see a real youth movement in the hiring process this year. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, I think they hired eight new coaches this year, um, if I'm not mistaken. That's like a quarter of the league, dude. Yeah, that would be exactly and, a quarter of the league. So. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, you know. At least one of those guys is probably be gone after two years, and probably half of them after three. The way the league works now. Yeah, and well, we talked about this to open the show, man. I mean, it's just movement, dude. You you, you talked about three of the uh, four uh, final teams in college football all, all went out and got new head coaches. So, um, you know, it, it's just the nature of sports now, man. I mean, you know, players as well, um, but assistants are moving moving every year. Uh, guys are, are getting fired guys are moving up uh and then head coaches you know just the players man it's just a a, a you know kind of like our society man it's a it's a real uh short attention span you know i think you're seeing a reflection of who people are um that you know we don't got 10 years to work on something anymore man we got two you know what i wonder i mean i get it that you know it's a sport and Especially if you've been a coach in the head coach in the NFL, like that's some pretty rarefied air. But I do wonder, you know, it's kind of odd to think about a guy like Bill Belichick. I realize he didn't end up with a gig this year, but after you've been like basically running the show at a place for as long as people, coaches like that have, it just seems kind of odd to think about like Bill Belichick putting the suit and tie on to go for a new job interview. I mean, I realize it's a coaching and all that, but. <laughs> I think he just, walks in with a resume and says, hi, I'm Bill. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm here for my interview. I mean, please, I, I please wait shows, here, sir. I mean, you can be the top dog, but I mean, obviously the people with the money that run the team, there's, there's just another level there. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, make no mistake, man, the, the, at the end of the day, the owners, the guys with the big, the big bait, uh, bank accounts, they, they, they call the shots at the end of the day. You know, so, well, we'll see. Uh, just before we call it an episode, uh, you got, I know you're into auto racing. So next weekend we've got the, uh, it's always funny, the Daytona 500, the biggest race of the year. Kind of like their own Super Bowl starts out first. Uh, pitchers and catchers showed up already for baseball. I know there was some footage out on the web of Shoyatani batting for the first time uh, in practice for the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I was actually talking with a buddy of mine, and, uh, you know, we pretty – you know, the both of us agreed that this is just, you know, the deadest period in sports. Now, there's stuff going on, but, um, you know, NASCAR, I, I like NASCAR. I mean, I'm into it. You know, I, I understand it's not the most popular sport, but, um, you know, for me, baseball, you know, we've covered this on the show. Baseball is just so long, um, and it's it's hard for me to get up for 162 games and all that. So I don't I don't jump into baseball. You know, I'll, I'll follow some news right a little bit and then I'll, I'll track the standings and, and throughout the year and, and catch a game or two i might even like go to a game or two and um but it, i'm just biding time right so baseball's just gonna be a forever so you know i'm not i'm not I'm just not as into it as I, I as i would be for football and uh 
you know, it feels like basketball and hockey have been going on for a while, for a long time, and they're not even to the halfway point yet. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, let me know when you get closer, you know. And, um, you know, so for me, NASCAR kind of fills in the gap a little bit. Um, I can kind of loosely track the other sports. Uh, we got about a month, uh, a month and change uh, before March Madness. That'll be like a little blip on the radar. You know, it's uh, it's really about, I mean, it's really about one weekend, but. Um, you know, it's two weekends back to back that are really exciting in sports, and and uh, you know that'll fill up my time when that comes around. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about putting a league together this year for the home run derby. That'll be cool. That'll give us something to kind of track through baseball. But for me, you know, I mean, I'm a sports fan, man, and I'll I'll kind of loosely follow them all. You know, NFL and college are the you know football are the only sports that I I follow you know intently and 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 I'm. And, entirely dove into while, while it's taking place the rest I just kind of loosely follow so I got several months <laughs> of just kind of loosely following stuff a- until uh we swing back around to football season for myself well will you be uh you know we, we got all the other major sports will be going which one do you think will uh you know garner the most of your attention you think you know really it's it's much like what you just said right now it's really it's a lot of dead air, if you will, especially so February right after the Super Bowl is probably the worst because uh, just not much happening. Like from an excitement standpoint, as you said, you get a couple weeks, you know, the, the, the first two weekends of the March Madness are great. The final four, it's, it's OK, but it's not like all consuming. I really like the first weekend of March Madness, the best, man. It's just and it goes so quick, but you start turning those games on on Thursday and there's just one or two upsets and that rolls through. So that'll, that's a little break. I'll get a little jazzed for the first week of baseball opening day. Um, will happen, you know, a little bit of excitement, but it quickly just kind of, I enjoy it as a background thing, but then it kind of settles just like that background. You don't really get excited about that till, you know, 4th of July or so. And, uh, hockey and the NH or hockey and uh, basketball. A, I'm not as much into them, but two, both their regular season and their playoffs are so blasted long. Uh, you know, so as a sports fan, I'll be kind of on a little bit of a holding pattern. Uh, I'd say you know till June, July, with just a couple weekends he- here and there where I sprinkle in. I'm curious what your take is. I think we got uh, Olympics this year in Paris, don't we? That's this yeah. year. But yeah, I yeah. So that I get up for the Olympics. That is. Oh, I one love the Olympics, dude. That that I, will will grab my attention, and and that is uh, that is something that I'll follow closely. I I love the Olympics. You know, I actually had kind of slipped my mind. I forgot that uh, that was this year. So um, that I can't that's remember cool. when it starts, but I love the Olympics again. Um, even though I don't like the way the U.S. media covers it as much, because I want to see the competitions more than the stories. I know I'm the guy on this podcast that keeps saying it's about the stories in sports, but or if you're going to tell me the stories, I want to see more than just U.S. I know it was really interesting living in Seattle um, because on the cable system we had back when I had cable, we got uh, a CBC channel on our cable system, and just the way they cover the Olympics, like, it's all sports all the time on the Canadian coverage, unlike the U.S. Um, but it's still exciting to have all this stuff going on and just 
the drama and that'll be a nice little summer thing as well um i was gonna ask before you brought up the olympics any interest in whatever it is xfl usl merger i don't even know what they're calling it now but um, you know i'll give it another try man i've continued to try and uh for whatever reason it's never held me in the past man you know arena football xfl you know uh I, I, you know, the European leagues, I, I mean, I just, you know, you, you, it, it just, maybe, maybe it's just a, a level of exhaustion, you know, I, I mean, I follow college sports, you know, probably more than most, but, um, and then I follow uh, NFL intensely, and, you know, I'd be honest, man, I, you know, I, I, I do a postseason fantasy league, um, you know, you know, all the stuff I do, man, I got, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel and, and, you know, all these best ball leagues and all this and this and this. And I, and so football season, I got, you know, 11 irons in the fire, you know, and, um, following the Super Bowl, uh, you know, I, I finished out my spreadsheet and closed everything out. I, I made the last payouts on, on my, uh, you know, accounts and stuff and got everybody paid. And it's just, I kind of wipe my hands and it's like, all right, I'm done. That's it. It's over. So, uh, um, you know, I think maybe my energy, I need the break, dude. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm happy when it's all over to some degree that, uh, there's a little bit of sadness that it's over, but man, it's, it's actually kind of a relief. And so I wonder if maybe, you know, those other leagues are just like, man, I don't got the energy for them, dude. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll give it a shot. You know what I mean? I'll try and watch, but you know, usually what happens is, Either I don't know when the games are taking place, or I, I'm, you know, I'm not fully invested in it. You know, as a fan, I don't even know which. I don't know the teams. I don't have a team to root for. You know, I don't know any of the players, and so um, it's historically been tough for me to to get into. I'll probably watch of that. You know, I usually I'm I'm kind of interested in how they cover it and just the broadcasting of it. I'll watch a weekend or two, but honestly, it doesn't hold my interest. I gotta go back because you talked about. You know the 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 gambling and all that, dude. How the heck do they do this? I believe it. The Super Bowl final over under was forty six point five. Yeah, I mean, I saw it at forty seven and a half, and it held strong there. Yeah, and they they nailed that it. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, they're, they're they're good at what they do, buddy. <laughs> I mean, they're good just, at what they do. I haven't studied it to know uh, how often the lines are like that, but I think more often than not, they are. I don't know. I won't give you this homework, but I am maybe I'll try and see if I can figure something out or a website or something. I am kind of curious, like just even something that simple, like how often are they within a point or two of having the uh, final score, you know, correct? Right. Yeah. I mean, quite quite often. It feels like quite often. It does. Like it seems like very rarely is there a huge miss. Yep. Yeah, Vegas is. Uh, I wonder how they did. I don't. I don't know where the money went. Um, I will say this from the media coverage and from just like listening to people talk on the radio all week. You know, from Radio Row and listening to players and coaches and you know all the analysts and blah blah blah. It sure felt like everyone was kind of like felt like the Chiefs was the better team. I mean, they knew both teams were good, but San Francisco held strong as the favorite from from go. They opened. They opened as the favorite. They stayed the favorite throughout. The line moved around a little bit, but um, it sure felt like everyone thought Kansas City was going to win this game, but somehow San Francisco was favored. So I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know. Um, just, you know, uh, 
I think overall it was a good season. I will say the last thing I'd say is Kansas City, I think if they're going to make a three-peat, they've got to go get another wide receiver in the offseason. That's, to me, the number one thing they've got to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, I mean, they're pretty. They got they got some other issues, man. Chris Jones isn't signed. Um, Sneed isn't signed. You know, I mean, they. You know, I, I already heard, uh, and I, I don't know the accuracy of this, and but that Mahomes had already talked about restructuring. You know, kind of, kind of uh, taking the the Brady route. You know, and and I give him props for that. I mean, he's just such an easy guy to like, man, and to root for. So I can understand why you would hate him because he because he keeps winning. Same reason Brady was hated by a lot of the country. But, um, you know, the Brady was never the highest-paid quarterback ever. And a lot of times he was grossly underpaid relative to other people, but he didn't care. He, he just wanted to win championships. And Mahomes, you know, I, I, had, I forget where I heard it, but um, someone had said that Mahomes had already come out and said, yeah, man, you know, whatever, I'll restructure. I just want players, man. I want to do this again and again. I'd like, you know, uh, and so um, we'll see if they, you know, can get creative and, um, restructure his deal and free up some cap space and keep this uh, team together. And, you know, obviously, I, I agree with you, man. The one thing that shouldn't be a problem is there's some pretty solid wide receivers that are free agents. Now, I don't know what their cap space is, is going to be, you know, that, that's available to them to sign a veteran. But, um, you know, you can get a guy like T. Higgins off the Bengals. He's a free agent. You know, I mean, he would fit right in with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's a number of guys who are pros that they could go sign or – you know, this is a really, really rich, young wide receiver uh, draft class. And, you know, a little more gamble on that end. You know, you never know exactly how those guys' skill sets are going to transfer to the NFL. But if, if anyone can succeed, it would be with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. So, um, you know, we'll see what they do. But I agree. I mean, the, the wide receiver group, I mean, they could do well to, you know, uh, hold on to – uh, Rasheed Rice, and then just flush everybody else out, man. You're all gone, and we're just going to start over fresh with new dudes because they were terrible this year. I mean, I think they've shown that they don't need a lot. They, they don't need the elite of the elite, and they can still do okay. But, um, yes, and they won the Super Bowl. But, you know, the, there was a little more struggle this year. And, you know, uh, Kelsey's not getting any younger He's still got some, if he, and I don't know how much more he'll play, but just, I don't know what, you know, you got to have a little more for uh, Mahomes to throw to, especially with uh, a talent like he has. Just get him a little more. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, Tony didn't even play since like December 15th or something. Yeah. Oh, he, he ain't gonna be back. He ain't gonna be back, dude. <laughs> so yeah, Kadarius Tony's done. Done. Now he may find another job in the league somewhere, but it ain't gonna be in Kansas City or New York. And it could be. I mean, you know, more. I hope he does, man. I mean, well, really, that team. I mean, the, the credit to them. Credit to Andy Reid and not being so prideful and and just you know, uh, you know, there's old saying, man. You know, start from where you're at with the tools you've been given. You know, right? And um, just make the best of what you got, man. And uh, they switched their their whole identity to, uh, and it's kind of funny because you know for all those years that the Patriots are dominant, the early the early years, the first half was all built on defense, and Tom went out and kind of managed the game and did what he could, and um, they won Super Bowls, you know, on their defense. And then later, uh, as you know, Tom became elite and and the offense changed, and um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, McDaniel's? Yeah, I think Josh McDaniel's. Um, 
you know, opened things up and they had Gronk and Edelman and, and, you know, for a little while, Randy Moss. And, and so they were a little more high flying and the offense was carrying them and the chiefs were kind of doing it backwards. You know, initially their offense, uh, was what they hung their hats on and they just outscored everybody and, and defense do the best job you can. And now it's really been a full role reversal where the defense is what's carrying that team. They're, they're, they're mostly like a power running team. And then they have Mahomes who can do anything at any point. He can run it for 22 yards. You know, he can get a third and 17 with his legs or he can chuck it 60 yards. You know, I mean, he, you know, having Mahomes sure frees things up. You know, if you need one big play on a third down and 12, like Mahomes is, you know, he can do that still, but their, their identity was more with Pacheco and power running and short passing and a ball control and, and, and having the defense carry the team. So if they can keep that unit intact, I mean, you know, I don't know who, based on what just took place, um, I don't know who you could pick in front of them as a, as more of a favorite than them. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, I you know, we'll come July, I'm sure we'll put down something, uh, uh, you know, in the uh, old podcast sphere of who we're looking for. But right now, I'd say they got to be one of the odds-on favorites, you know, pending anything strange happening in the off season and i uh, i would just say this i think this is where again coaching comes uh, is super important and especially in today's nfl um you do i think the coaches that can adapt there to what they have in the cupboard as opposed to saying this is how you you know this is my way and this is what we're gonna do if they don't have that in the in the cupboard if you will or on the bench it don't work because it's just you can't you don't have that stockpile of reserves like i mean you know before they had salary cap and stuff you have a whole bunch of great players on the bench yeah kind of like college you know what i mean a guy a defensive lineman goes down in college and you just bring the next guy up and you know he might not have as much experience and playing time but he's just as or very close to as talented the guy was in front of him in the nfl that's not the case man there's significant drop-offs you know you lose uh, you know, a, a key cog on your team, the way your team is built, um, you better adjust pretty quick. And I think that's what happened in Kansas City. They realized, man, we don't have anyone who can catch a football. And they're just double and triple team in Travis, and no one else can catch the ball. And so, all right, well, I guess we'll just run it. And so they, they morphed into that and, um, you know, ended up winning a Super Bowl. And that's credit to Andy Reid. I mean, for me, um, he's definitely right up there for one of my favorite coaches, man. He's just a likable dude. Um, and uh, just a great football coach, man, that un- understands the game. And like, like you said, man, t- you know, takes the ingredients that are available to him and his cupboard and, uh, you know, doesn't try to make spaghetti and meatballs out of no, you know, he makes corn dogs. chicken and panko, right? So He makes corn dogs, dude. Yeah, he's uh, he's Whatever they said man. that last play was called corn dog of some sort. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, I wonder uh, what you refer I saw it at the... And uh, one of the post interview game interview things, they asked him what was the final play call or something. I didn't hear it all, but it, I know he said something about corn dog. Well, and for a guy who's sixty five years old, and and coaching twenty somethings, um, you know, he just seems to do it just such an amazing job of connecting with the players, man. And and you know, that's one of the probably that might be the single biggest struggle for uh, a lot of these coaches man is is to make a connection with your players dude and to to speak to them in terms that they understand and you know for a dude who's one of the oldest guys in, in the league maybe the oldest i don't know who's older than him um for him to continually connect with these young players and get the most out of them i mean really speaks to who he is you know in terms of being a leader of men 
Well, and I think, again, you know, uh, the times have changed dramatically, right? We go back, uh, Vince Lombardi, it's, you know, my way or the highway and, you know, putting fear into you. Nowadays, with the players have so many outlets and uh, relatively speaking, make so much money, you know, no matter where you're on the roster, um, I don't think they fear the coaches as much. No, that that old Bill Parcells and uh, Vince Lombardi and you know, that, that that stuff just ain't gonna fly in today's age, man. These guys are already millionaires, you know. Nowadays, coming into the league, man, they were already getting that NIL money uh, before they even got to the league. They're they're you know, I mean, they've been making millions. Like you know, they just you just got to talk to them different, and, and you know, right or wrong, man. I mean, you can we can you know spend a whole podcast arguing that if we wanted to, but uh, the point is, this is who they are. And you know you better find a way to connect with them if you want to win. I mean you gotta you gotta uh, get your message across to these guys, and apparently he does it. Yeah, and that's that's you know what I what I said was, you know the really good coaches right uh, get the players to be more than they thought they could be, even in this environment where, you know, whatever it is they need to bring out of them, they're still finding a way. So. Uh, you know, good year of football. Great series of podcasts, minus the one I put in the, uh, <laughs> the trash man bit bucket. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my medicine. And, All uh, right, bud. Well, I, uh, I'll, I'll I'll remember to keep my eyes peeled for confetti confetti in all future championship games as man. well. We want the confetti report. All right, I'll, 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 I, that'll be tucked away for future. All right, Chris, thanks a lot, and thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of the podcast to be named later. Thanks, Kelly.